Hello, welcome to Five Podcast 88. You fat ladies, or oh, you can't say that anymore. The future's here to stay. It's a futile fall show then, but not tonight. Thank you to Annotated Fall Fuel track record. Oh, brother, Puritans Falling Five Church of Fall and all them what fall we are. The second or third best fall podcast in the world. Joined hey. by Pip Billy William, Pip Billy Rugby. How are you, Phil? I'm excellent, my man. Excellent. Very good. We've had a, this episode's all about Luciani, as people know, because yes. it'll be in the title of the episode that they see before they even click. So that's not a secret. But... Exactly. And we will we will be talking about that a lot. Uh, also with us, Lord Sage Temple and Pemberton Shamalam Walker, both absent from room <laughs> and now have returned. Perfectly timed. Probably not joined by Marky Tiny Tim. Baby crack. I know. <laughs> it's, it's a hard life. By Marky Tiny Timmy Twatwa, who's got now to add to tonight's perform- proceedings, apparently. He's refused to say anything on the matter. I'm Tree Beards O'Shaughnessy, and there are no patron chippings. I repeat, none from Michael E. Max W. or Leon, although Leon did say a couple of things I might drop him. And um, we have a special guest coming on real soon. Fingers crossed, funky Simon Wollstonecroft of the Mighty Fall. I can't believe it. The first actual Fall member in the wild. We've done it. We've done it. We've got one. <laughs> it's not a bad one either. Oh, no, he's a good one. He's uh, top draw shit. Uh, indeed. Um, you know, Simon obviously started in Ben Sinister just before the play of Luciani was put on. Now, just a little bit of background on the play itself. If you come into it cold, it's called Hey Luciani, The Life and Codex of John Paul One. It's a play written by Marky Smith. The only full-length play we know of him writing and definitely the only one that was staged, although, of course, there was the ballet. Curious Orange a few years later. It's based on uh, conspiracy theories. The book In God's Name by David Yallop, which is about conspiracy theories about the death of John Paul I, a pope of only three, three days, as he's famously stated in the fall song, Hey Luciani. We are going to be putting this show on in a mere three weeks' time, the 23rd of September in Presswich. Now, two shows, because the first one sold out lickety split, sort of. Um, <laughs> Pip is really running that, that ship, because I'm obviously on the other side of the world, but we will talk a little bit more about that. Um in a few minutes, but the play itself was staged in December 1986. It ran for two weeks in the Riverside Theatre in London Town. And there's a whole bunch of songs that appeared on Ben Sinister and later came out uh, on the singles around, especially the Ghost in My House single. So we'll have a listen to those, but you probably already know what they are. They're, they're not well-known songs, but we've come to really love them over the I can't want to speak for anyone else. I've come to really love them over the course of uh, <laughs> prepping this play. Oh, they're so, great songs. It's a it's a real peculiar mix that works well together, isn't it? Where the sums grant and the number of its parts. Absolutely. And so a little bit of background from Fall Land is Ben Sinister, which was the ninth studio album, came out in, in September of 86, so just before, about three or four months before this play, and was recorded in June. So written probably concurrently a lot of the stuff with Hey Luciani, although there's only a, a little bit of a crossover with the album. Carl Burns was fired or left just Around the time that Ben Sinister was starting, Paul Hanley stepped in for a few songs before Funky Simon Wollstonecroft came in halfway through 
the album. And of course, we'll be asking him all about that. And interestingly enough, Julia Addison um, was engineering the album like a decade before she actually joined the band and, and had, uh, I don't know if we'll get onto this part with Cy, but had a hand in him leaving the band when uh, suddenly Mark decided that they were only going to do her songs and she was basically going to be in charge. I might not be representing anybody well in that story, but <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's a good story. So the, the original play, which Smith described as a cross between Shakespeare and the prisoner, uh, the you know the, the myth is that it was written on beer mats and delivered in a shoebox uh, to the director of the play. There's, there's, there may be some truth in the initial ideas, but there's pages floating around and that excavate book that's awesome, has a bunch of pages. And we were very lucky to be shared in on a whole bunch of pages by um, a guy called Pete Dreath and our friend Danny No and a guy called Barry Riley all posted a whole bunch. So we got maybe 20 or 30 pages. But as far as I know, there are not full scripts flying around. The play itself had Trevor Stewart, John Paul I, and the performance artist Lee Bowery, who was in a bunch of fall videos, also played a part as uh, Bishop Marcinkus. Charlie Hansen, I think, was the director. Um, yeah. yeah, so he he works pretty much with Ricky Gervais these days, so he's gone on to big stuff. Gone um, on to work with a twat. Apparently mm. so. James Brown, editor of Loaded, not James Brown, soul singer, was in the original play. Uh, Smith refers to him as J. Loaded Brown in one of the, the songs. Uh, Jackie O'Malley, who does the A to Z of Manchester with Funky Sai podcast. Oh, she was in the original play in a couple of roles. Uh, Michael Clark, the dancer, then went on to be in, in Curious Orange. It was already doing some stuff with a fall and he appeared. So there's almost no footage. But if you go on the, on YouTube, there is like a two minute section that gives you some really intriguing snippets of what it may have looked like. Before I get into maybe describing the plot of the play and the basic characters, Phil, maybe I'll work. Where, how did we come to be doing this and, and where are we in that? <laughs> well, you daft book has asked me if I want to do it and I'm stupid enough to go, yeah, go on then. Yet again, it's it's been a bit of a weird genesis, hasn't it? The whole thing, it's really, the podcast was the start of it all, isn't it? And we've yeah. all kind of committed to this ludicrous adventure. And then I remember, I can't remember when you started it, but I remember you starting to talk about Hey Luciani, maybe getting hold of some of your, you talked about the transcript. I remember that you getting hold of that off yeah. somebody's website, I think. And then we talked about maybe having some special podcast episodes where we might do some scenes out of Hey Luciani or something like that maybe as a as a way of just you know because we don't have enough episodes to do no um, yes. as a way of kind of padding this podcast out of it triple figures and then i mean you did all the heavy lifting really you took that transcript and you've pieced together a structure of who you like attributing lines to people and all that kind of thing and reading the book and uh trying to to piece together exactly what this crazy plot was within this story so i mean i that's, appreciate that credit that's... i think we shared the heavy lifting on that but i did take that initial <laughs> transcript from uh, a fellow called pete conkerton i asked mm. to come on this episode but i i guess um He's a busy chap, but he's welcome to drop by any time. But he, he took those audio transcripts, a couple of decent recordings of the play, and he turned it into a transcript, which is still on the fall.org. It was like, we turned it into a script, and then it was like, okay, how do we make this oh, make the, sense? The video footage. 
Yeah. The video footage you were talking about, we, there's some clues in that, isn't there, in terms yeah. of, and obviously the cast list, you can kind of work out the dynamics of some of it. But even even in rehearsals with, with Al and the, the other people who are involved and stuff, we've still said, no, this line cannot be this person yeah. and shift stuff around and hang on. Why, why have we got exposition in the middle of this speech? That doesn't make any sense. So, yeah. Well, it's a bit about dropping your caps and curling one off. Oh, yeah, I just added them this week for fun. Did you notice that? <laughs> I got five of them. There was like one left in, which we went down very well on Thursday night. Brilliant. So, and we're very lucky. Steve Church of the Fall has come on board relatively late in the game, and I hear good things about him. Um, He's slotted right into the madness. Beautiful. Um, and, of course, my cousin, Froze, who hates the fall he's in. So that's always good fun. So it's going to be a radio play style performance and there'll be a matinee, it looks like, and then an evening performance. It's a small room. Yeah, you've, just, be... you've jumped over a bit there. Let's let's just manage people's expectations a little. We're not doing a full-on dramatic performance. We will be doing a radio style performance of the script. So no, there's nothing left out. It's probably a little bit added, but yeah. uh, it's, it won't be a Lee Bowery experience spectacular will it no but i but I, I also think don't underplay it it's because there will be movement and costumes and voices and noise and and things like that It'll but yes everyone yes. will enjoy it, it, it everyone will have a lot claim to have seen hey luciania exactly and then who, who knows what the universe will do but obviously mark's pulling some strings here and there because things are slotted into place beautifully uh thanks to the people at press which arts festival <clears throat> pete the, the fellow who's running that all the pete's are involved so why don't we give ourselves a treat if nobody else and read the first little bit so i do think you... we should get ezra to do it okay yeah i'll do it all righty so you've got it haven't you? europe 1870 the first Vatican Council meets and guarantees an infallible Pope. Spain's gang is in disarray, and the top gang in France is recovering from a fight it could not finish. Meanwhile, in Alsace-Lorraine state, F. Nietzsche, hospital orderly, manages Turks and Prussians. Turks! Encouraged by the manipulating British gangs to play a bigger part than realised in the forthcoming shootout scenario. Very good. So that's how the play opens. And essentially the plot core of it is about a Shakespearean style set of conversations, some in South America based around escaped Nazis and some in the Vatican. And uh, the the David uh, Yallop book, the In God's Name, sets out the idea that these characters of Marcinkus, Bishop Marcinkus, and, and Velo and Gelly. So Marcinkus is, is a cardinal from Chicago, Archbishop, and he is um, also head of the Vatican Bank. Um, Villo is the Secretary of State for the Vatican, and uh, Gelly is the is a Freemason, a very powerful Freemason, and also a mafia banker. And these three essentially are cooking up a plot to murder or to get rid of the Pope. Of course, it's written by Mark Smith, which means none of this is super linear, but it still does hang together. Alongside that, we have the Israeli commandos that are searching for Martin Bormann in, in uh, Argentina. Martin Bormann being Hitler's right-hand man who um, disappeared. And if you want to fall into a rabbit hole, talk to Phil about Martin Bormann for a few <laughs> days. Um, 
And then alongside that, there's a there's a large section of sleep debt snatches that are a wonderful uh, exploration of the psyche of not only Luciani, but also Marky Smith uh, in a whole series of very interesting vignettes. What says you, Phil, of the plot and characters in this play? Yeah, that was a, a good summing up. The, the first act is as straightforward as it gets. The second act is where it gets a lot more slippy in terms of the storytelling and the, the sort of dream logic that's in place. I think there's for fans of Murky Smith, that will probably be the bit they enjoy the most because it's it's something where you can really enjoy the language getting played with. It's still telling the same story, but he's just uh, stretching the metaphor as wide as they'll go really I guess is is how we've started to see his his writing and it was funny I was thinking this is like the, the third theatrical thing that we've put on we've done a couple of plays we've written and now we're, we're putting this on and it's one of the things that I think we've had a bit of criticism for in the past is being a bit obscure in our storytelling and stuff. But the more the more times that sort of you spend with the text, the, the richer it becomes, isn't it? And you can kind of see where the where the sort of more complicated storytelling is going. It's a lot of fun, though. I mean, so much of it's left field, isn't it? And it's his uh, his tongue is firmly in his cheek when he's talking about certain things and then when he talks flippantly about things you know he's probably being quite serious about it and there's there's some pretty deep themes in there isn't it about colonialism and exploitation and corruption and stuff like that well there is it's smith's writing and and we always give him the benefit that he means that but then it's so layered Yes, it's a pretty straightforward set of conversations about a Pope that's viewed from several different perspectives. There's some, you get the radio who's kind of questioning his his newer approach. And then you've got the the people within the Vatican that are absolutely against him because he was uh, beginning to talk to people about artificial contraception and about, uh, God forbid, helping the poor and um, stopping um, the Vatican's many tentacles into, in, into the world of money. And at the same time, it's not like he's that radical, is it? Because it's like the more radical end of the church, he actually starts tempering like liberation theology and his course theology and all that kind of stuff. He's critical of that, isn't he? So he's he's quite a moderate voice, really. Yeah, it, the idea of him being a down-to-er that is in touch with the common person, that that's his heritage and background. And um, <clears throat> the whole idea of that intro that we just heard there is setting the scene for the first Vatican Council many, many years before when papal infallibility came, which basically meant in the context of this play, the Vatican can do whatever it wants. The, the Vatican cannot be wrong. So as long as it can justify its investments, I mean, we'll read a little bit now, actually, and it basically spells out the Vatican's involvement in arms dealing. Now, of course, this is Marky Smith interpreting multiple texts, but um, why don't we get uh, Ezra and Al to read? Ezra, if you don't mind being Gelly. Now, Gelly, as we said, is the um, he's the gangster. So if you want to do a gangster voice, feel free. And Villa. And so Villa, as we said, is the um, Secretary of State for the Vatican. In God's Name, I would say, isn't a brilliant book, but the first half is very interesting for the the tangled webs that are woven by these main characters. Um, So take it away, young men. Oh, sorry. Do I need to find the... uh... Yeah, oh, I need to share my screen. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that makes so he's sense. good, but he's not that good. 
I'm, I'm very excited. We've got Sai coming on in 10 minutes and we're talking about this beautiful piece of art that we're investigating. Oh, all the We've got a real life fall member on and we're all Off a bit I come on. What news regarding the elections? I relish uh, Ali's distorted reflections. Anton. At 7.18pm, first message, Sunday 27th, we'll meet Dublin a conquest. SW American efforts, all the fellow fighters appreciate the results in Rome, like Florence. An open-ended transmission by here. Don't fob me, Antarch. A big day over the sea. His compatriot, Bishop Gorilla, in there with Albino. Mendoza would like a conversation regarding your words and as a favour will supply you with full information if requested on the Jew terrorists who have, he claims, just passed Valdivia southbound. Enough, idiot. Well, I suppose it has come to this, the interest on loans to our old German comrades in steel. Well, there are no other amusements at home for a while anyway with our two ex-united with Pope Al-Masim El Residente. And scene. Okay, thank you very much, gentlemen. I, was... I had some accent drift in that. <laughs> he, he, got, he got a little bit, um, we already have one, go away. <laughs> got a little bit Python, but you know what? It's beautiful. It's all the beauty of it. Um, that scene is the two of them in Argentina discussing Israeli mission to find Borman that's on the way. And basically, it's it's unclear exactly as what's happening with this money, but there's some shady, shady business going on. Alistair, what's been your experience so far of the, of the play? It's been a good laugh. Just like um, a couple of mates getting together, trying to work out well, makes sense of the thing because I mean, like the player when it first came out was sort of seen as being uh, a little bit on the confusing side. And like reading Funky Side book, uh, got some shit reviews for like one in the Times, I think. He's making a lot more sense now. You know, we've we kind of like, well, you, I've put the script together from the transcription of the original player. That again has involved like quite a bit of legwork, really, like try, trying to sort of like piece everything together in, in a way that, that makes sense as much as we can do. I mean, the idea front. is for, I think some people said that it did. You know, maybe dismissed it as not making sense. And the idea is that it does make sense. Fun, you're going to follow it and we'll give you some hints along the way. But uh, don't dismiss it as nonce. See it mm. as what it is. Smith's take on uh, a complex idea. And we'll, yeah, as I said, we'll give you hints along the way. I think we're here. Hey. Mm. How are you doing, Simon? Oh, uh, yeah, I'm not too bad. Who's that fella there with a the beard? I am Phil. Okay. I'm Phil. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm Alistair. Um, yeah. I can't quite <laughs> see the top of your head. Alistair, that's better, that's better. <laughs> what kind, what, what's okay. your kit there? It looks really nice. That kit is a uh, Ludwig Vista light Ooh, from the late that? 70s that I bought off an old uh, friend of my mum's actually in sale, John Rose, uh, who, was, who used to play with um, Freddie and the Dreamers or one of them crew in America. <laughs> He didn't play on the hit, but he had a shot in Altium at first, and he moved to Sale. But when we were at Altium Grammar, we used to go in, me and the lads, Ian and John Wire, and looking at all the gear, and that's when I first met him. But it turned out my mum knew him, because my mum uh, used to ride horses, and his wife, John Rose, was an Olympic show jumper. Yeah. And uh, anyway, but I bought the kit off him uh, for about 500 quid, uh, just when I left Ian Brown solo years. And uh, I'm actually getting it ready for the tour that I'm doing with House of All. Right, um, yeah. That's, yeah, that's exciting. Were you playing on the tour? We're playing at, at York on this Thursday, Sunderland Friday, Hebden Bridge Trades Club Saturday, and then the following weekend we go to Bristol, 
Southampton, Lewes and uh, near Brighton. Six shows again, like we did earlier in May. Um, Alistair's very disappointed you're not playing Wigan, though. Getting in touch with the Asian um, to try and get us on there. I'm game for doing loads of, uh, as many gigs as possible. I've already told Martin I'll wear any time. My last shot at this. You know, going on the road, getting any younger. It's a really, really some good stuff. Are you enjoying playing it out and about? Uh, yes, I am. Um, but I'm more excited about the second album, which will be out in the new year. Right. Um, it's untitled, yeah, as far as I know. It's up to Martin to come up with a title. But it's uh, vastly superior, in my opinion, to the first album. Nice. And we'll be doing some tours and we're booking some dates in Europe already. End of February, I think. That's All so systems. Cool. Yeah, it's great. It, it's really worked. We've we, not played together since May. Went back in the rehearsal room and it's, it's so much easier. Now we've got six kids under our belt. It's just got muscle memory sort of thing on the kit. You know where all the parts are in the song. Should be us. But we're not doing any of the new ones off the new album. <laughs> it's a shame. I wanted to. Maybe you might throw one in. Who knows? Well, thanks for coming by tonight. Uh, tonight, I want to focus mostly on that era around Luciani because we're we're going to put the play on in a few weeks. Twenty third. It'd be great if you if you're able to come along. That'd be absolutely fantastic. But I think uh, I might be able to pop down. Sorry, it's lagging a bit here. I'm, I keep talking. Obviously. <laughs> now, uh, please bear in mind, I've got tinnitus real bad. So if I have to keep going like that. All right, Al's a drummer. We used to, we're used to dealing with drummers. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> What are you a drummer? Yeah, Alice, kind of, Alice. yeah. I played right. in like bands for about seventeen years. Did, did a band with Dick yeah. Peel session years ago, uh, but did I played guitar. Yeah. Did you ever meet the great man? I did, yeah, um, a couple of times. That that was like at Peel sessions for other bands. So like I went watching. I think it was uh, the Von Bondis wearing a belt banana T-shirt and got invited down to an old banana Peel session a couple of weeks later, but I couldn't make it. And then I spoke oh. to him again at T Rochemere, who was like a German techno guy uh, doing a live session. Oh yeah. I was went down there with like loads of stuff. Yeah, why that? <laughs> meeting potatoes. I did at his 50th birthday party right. at Aquam Hall, as I knew it, under the uh, Westway, uh, where the class used to hang about and all that. I think we played there, the, maybe mid tour. It was a good night, and I just shook his hand and said, How are you doing? You know, and he smiled. And of course, Mark didn't want to get to know him too closely because he wanted to keep an air of mystique, of course, like he would, you know, good old man. <laughs> But uh, yeah, we played there and it was fine and uh, sort of a lot from Leeds um, around that time. We might have been out of all, but they had, a dog, they had a dog anyway and it pissed on the side of the tour bus. And Mark was really, uh, uh, really angered by this, you know. How dare they, you know, let their dog piss against our bus, you know, against the wheel of the bus because it was on a string, you know. They said, look at the state of them, fucking peasant. <laughs> I think it was uh, one of them lot anyway, you know, from that era. House of Love, one of those fellas. That was the night you played Race with the Devil, I think, maybe, and you only did it one time. Might, might have been Race, that. Yeah. yeah, I do remember playing that one. It's about 1991, was it? Something like that. At some point, we'd love you to come back and have a, and talk about the whole 11 years you did with the with the group. I mean, but yeah. tonight, if, if it's okay, we just want to focus on that era when... when you first joined in Ben Sinister and then into Luciani and just have a little bit of a All chat right. about what you remember about that. How long do you want how long do you want to make this last this conversation? <laughs> We've got all day, Si. How, how, how long have you got? Well, as long, long as you want. Uh, I just oh. need to pace myself. 
We're huge fans, and everyone that listens to this podcast wants to hear anything that uh, you've got right, to say right. that you want to say. So it's all good stuff. Yeah. And you know, your book's okay. fantastic. You can you can drum, but you can't hide. So, like, you know, if you haven't read that, Alistair's got his copy there. If you haven't read that, please go have a read because it's a really good read. And and your your um your podcast, the A to Z of Manchester, also yeah, funky size A to Z. Yeah. It's very popular. We didn't have sponsors or anything. Uh, we've got a lot of views, according to Jackie. So, first off, if I get it right, you were in a band called The Weeds, supporting the fall, and Smithy asked you to join. One of the first things you did uh, was the song, Hey Lucianis. Um, of course, I've known of The Fall since my school days. We had a classmate, Andy Waite, who used to bring in his singles, Roche Rumble. You know, he's so fond of these records, he wouldn't let you touch them or anything. And I thought, oh, who's that, The Fall? But it wasn't really till This Nation Saving Grace came out, which is still considered the, the best album they did. We, we were playing it when we were in the weeds, rounded human, you know, squatting about, smoking, you know, splits, having a life of Riley with her. And that was always on the turntable. And I got to meet Carl Burns. And somehow, it was Andrew Berry, the singer of the weeds. He used to cut Marquis Smith's hair. And so he invited us on tour. We did about six or eight gigs. We went up to Aberdeen all the way up there in what was known as the White Chariot, which is my triumph, Dolomite. His engine blew up late, 86, yeah. Um, so we did the gigs. It was great. I loved all the tension in the band of the fall. I was watching Mark. and I never actually spoke to him the whole time. But um, And so we got to um, uh, London and we were sporting them there. And he came up to me outside at the back of the gig when we were loading the gear in the Salford Van Eyre and we are all due to go home. And he said, hey, cock, can I have a word with you? And I've not spoke to him yet, but I checked him out and he checked me out. He must have seen something in me and he obviously heard me playing the drums. I'm not saying I'm the technically most brilliant drummer in the world and I don't do that many roles, which he liked, I think. He always told me about James Brown finding his drummers. Five dollars. If they got, if they put a drum roll unnecessarily, drum, you know, in the song as we were going along, which I always thought was dead cool. He was full of good facts like that, Mark. Very interesting. I learned so much off him. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he said, um, I'm kicking out Carl Burton, who, of course, I knew, uh, joined the band. And I said, if you, if you give me a contract that's going to pay me the same who was getting paid at the Greater Manchester Council in the kitchen, canteen, county, although by that time, um, I've been sent away to Bolton Farm with, Cooking for a load of truck drivers, uh, right. waste disposal. Because of an incident on the roof whereby I'd been uh, watching an IRA trial going ahead at the back of County Hall there in Piccadilly. And there was a sniper on the roof and I wasn't supposed to be on the roof. Basically radio through the sniper. So there's a guy up there. <laughs> Who is he? And uh, I, got, I got sent out to Farmworth. And when I, when I left Farmworth, God bless them, they bought me a stick bag. The girls that work for me. Uh, Sharon and Teresa. I didn't do anything. Uh, it was just egg and chips all day. And uh, anyway, <laughs> I joined the band. <laughs> um, and uh, it was great. Um, we went recording straight away. We did the Festival of the Tenth Summer gig at GMEC, um, which was fantastic. Backstage, it was a bit like a hospital, which in fact it became during the pandemic. Uh, you know, with screens everywhere uh, in between the bands. Smith's New Order Fall. It was really exciting. I'm getting panned. Uh, it was the first time I really 
got paid for drumming and I thought, yeah, I like this. Uh, no contract, as I remember it, but uh, I used to go up every month and go and get a check because we all lived in South Manchester apart from Craig and I, I had a car and I'd go around to Marks and pick the checks up. But we're up and running by, you know, July, August of 86. Went in, did Ben Sinister, a couple of studios, uh, Yellow 2, which is the sister studio of Strawberry in Stockport. Uh, basically on an industrial estate. But we did a lot of it at Abbey Road, which was just amazing. It was a tick-off list for me. I was over the moon. You know, mum and dad were alive then. My mum was dead proud of it. My dad was dead straight as a GP. He wanted me to get a proper job, but I felt really good about everything. Academia left behind. Um, it's all happening quite fast. I want to ask you, like, upon joining the fall, did uh, did did Marky e. Smith, did he give you, like, listening homework or anything like that? He used to play a lot of vinyl records in his house uh, on his uh, stereo uh, on the black uh, dining room table that he had with a fish tank behind bubbling away. That's where he kept his money, uh, behind the fish tank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he, he played stuff on the bus and, you know, in the van. When he used to get in the car, he used to drive him about, you know, I, wasn't, I didn't consider myself his driver by any means. He, he liked the fact I had a BMW 3 Series one side, because he'd eat me and I'd Good recommendation. I remember when Marsha was on the um, Old Brother, and your, the episode of Old Brother with you on it is fantastic. But the one when Marsha on, she talks about when she joined, Smith gave her like a stack of records and said, okay, these are all our albums. You might be oh. playing anything from these. Did you do anything like that? Or did you just go... No, he never time? gave me records, Mark, but he did buy me a tape when we were on tour. He used to buy me rap tapes, you know, in Italy. But he was really into rap. And he, he realised that we were really, was really into rap and funk. The Sugar Hill Gang. I was kind of more into the funky stuff, which is why when we did Lost in Music, I was absolutely delighted. Yeah. And the Ardine Taylor, there's a ghost in my house. Uh, shame we only got one shot at it, you know, one take. Mark was a one-take wonder, wasn't he? Crack the whip. What are you doing messing about? So he, he was aware that I liked funky stuff. Are you saying you did Ghost in My House in one take? Pretty much, yeah, two at the most. I can't remember. Well, we recorded that in wow. Pluto Studios which is uh, where the class recorded Bank Robber. It's not down now, the car park in Manchester. I suppose, I suppose some of the, the, the like one-take approach to it, I reckon a lot of that's probably financial, though, wasn't it? Because time's money when you're in the studio. I'm not sure whether it was, because when we were with uh, Phonogram, um, it was the same thing. You might get two or three chat shots at it, you know, then, you know, because they were paying the bill. No, it was, it was a way of, it was a great way of working. It forced you to get your act together. And uh, basically, you know, that's what's happening now with House of All. We've took that on board, or Martin has. I don't want to go on about House of All, but that's the way we recorded the, the, the two albums that we've done. No preparation whatsoever. Because uh, I said to Steve, why don't we go in the rehearsal room and knock some up? But nothing ever happened until the day of the recording. And uh, luckily, it all worked out, you know. And uh, I did feel the spirit of Mark thinking, God, what, what? What must you be thinking now? You know, if you could see what we were doing. And yeah. uh, not upset. Most people are right behind it. You know, um, there's one or two who won't like it that we're doing. We're not doing false stuff, obviously. But anyway, it's not a podcast about that, is it? I'm happy to talk about any of it, Simon. It's all it's all part of the rich tapestry. Your style, I mean, we love 
like you know it's the very precise kind of stuff especially of that era that you talk about shift work and so on where it really really suited uh, you know in my opinion kind of your style but very very different to carl how did you feel about yeah. coming in and playing a lot of like lots um, of things that maybe play, well um i understand you know uh, carl's very good he's a different style of drummer to me but i've studied the drums on this nation's saving grace and i could do all of them pretty much um, of course, when I started playing, doing the tour, before we started doing the play, Hey Luciani, I w- we were playing stuff off This Nation Saving Grace on the Ben Sinister tour later in 86. So it didn't phase me or anything. I was doing my own thing. I still do my own thing to this day. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's better that way. You know, you put your own little bit of an identity on it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Carl was quite uh, happy that I took over from him. There was no animosity at all. Perhaps, yeah. he, you know, he was dead shut. Eventually he did come back, of course, in the early 90s. And I let it be known I wasn't happy to all and sundry. Uh, mm. I didn't want another drummer. And I kind of, I said to him, I don't mind as long as he has a couple of timbales, a cymbal, a cowbell. And in fact, that worked much better for me, filling in on the percussive side. Although we did have a couple of drum, a couple of gigs only where there was two drum kits, but I didn't like it because we're flamming all over the place. You know what I mean by flamming? Yeah, on the yeah, yeah. Which is why I insisted that on the new band, House of All, um, I'm working to a metronome. And so there's no debate about is it too fast? Is it too slow? Uh, yeah. Bang, that's it. I mean, well, the, fu- the story that I heard, and I don't know if it came directly from you, was that when when Burns came back on that t- tour, which was what, was cerebral caustic era or light user syndrome around that era? Around about that time. And, and, yeah, and, and he yeah. came on with just like a hi-hat or something, and night after night he was procuring more and more percussion and dropped pieces of a drum kit from somewhere. So by yeah, the end of the first week he had a, like a full kit on stage or something. It did, it did get bigger and bigger. Uh, when he wasn't selling his eye hats in San Francisco porn shop. But, uh, yeah, but, but, but by the time we got to middle class revolt, um, there's a story, of course, I'd been on holiday in Tunisia with my dad, and there was no mobile phones then. This is, well, people had them, but it's 1994, I got back, I went to Steve's house, and his wife said, oh, they're in a studio in North Wales, and bombed it down. In, a, in the Gold GTI down the motorway, no sat nav, no nothing. Found this studio in North Wales, um, screeched up outside, heard somebody playing drums, and, and I thought, that is Carl, he's got Carl in behind my back. There's punishment for going holiday. <laughs> Walks in through the French glass door, <laughs> uh, you know, like, like I was about to rip his head off Carl, and he, and he got up, he was genuinely a bit worried, I think, Carl, who, by the way, has um, resurfaced. Um, Carl, recently, with Paul Hanley um, and emails to him and fro, and he's retired now, apparently. Wow. Uh, Carl. So I've nobody seen him, but uh, he's still out in the sticks in uh, Lancashire. Well, glad to hear that, yeah, because he was off the radar for Uh, a long time. I got on great with Carl. Despite that, I got on with him great, you know. So Reading in Brix's book, shit, she wasn't overly complimentary about Carl. Well, um... He had his um, hygiene issues, if you like. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he did. He, he did kind of. He was kind of like um, Mark's lieutenant by the time we got to that period. Uh, you know, Mark was my mate when I first joined, and then me and him would go out a lot together. 
whether it be the Hacienda or a techno club in Munich or wherever we were, uh, we just go, leave them to, you know, Steve and Gray. We'll go out. Come on, let's go. And they'll always have a great time and Mark, you know. But um, while we're doing these first gigs, um, European, America too, um, in 86, he was he was writing the the uh, Hey Luciani play. Yeah. Now, I'd seen him on the bus with a, a copy of David Yellops in God's Name. That's what it's called, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I've got yeah. it, yeah. Grab, grab it. Go on, yeah, carry on. Yeah. So, so you, it was a quite a thick book. Well, no, I didn't. I didn't. I probably were reading Viz comic or something like that. <laughs> Damn good yeah, I've left it to... Brendan's read the book. I'm, I'm still on the Viz annual. It's, qu- it's quite fun, actually. It's ah, a, a lot of, I, I, lot of that's mystery. Got, that's got a different cover. That, that's got a different cover to the one oh, Mark had. This was black. Okay. That must be a second edition or something. Probably. But uh, he was always reading it, and uh, he was telling us he'd written this play, Hey Luciani, um, and I've got a programme here just to try and sort of um, original programme. Um, what fascinates me is who wrote the... Um, there's a bit inside here about the band members and yeah. the actors, Lee Bowery, Mr Michael Clark, Simon Rogers, Greg Stanley, Steve Hanley, Simon J. Wollstonecroft, spelt with two O's which kind of bothered me a little bit, but, you know, I was still getting paid, so I didn't mind. And it says, His photogenic looks and congenial, friendly manner speak volumes transferred to the rhythm of his percussion and acting charisma. Nice. Now, I just wondered, having read this this morning, who actually wrote those sleeve notes on the programme, you know? But it was all very new, and uh, to me and the other people in the band, what, we're doing a play now? What's this about? But, we were getting wages, um, you know, a salary, which is a great salary. Once we'd signed, uh, well, Beggar's Banquet, we joined up with them, signed a new deal. The money, like, tripled from the um, chefing uh, wages that I uh, demanded that I get, you know, yeah. the first six months. I must say here, at this point, I get very confused, my memories of this period, between Hey Luciani and I Am Curious, Orange, the ballet. Yeah, yeah. I do remember... Um, I can't, we must have done some rehearsals somewhere, but I can't remember where. Possibly at the Riverside Theatre by the Thames there, the back of the Hammersmith Odeon, uh, which, uh, yeah, we wouldn't have had many rehearsals. And, of course, I did have a speaking part. I played a corrupt cardinal. Can't remember the card. Oh, actually, I'll tell you what the cardinal was called here. Um, oh, narrator, where am I? Right, Cardinal Villo. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, a corrupt cardinal. There is a picture online somewhere of me with my skull uh, cap on, uh, the crucifix, ro- you know, rosary beads, whatever, and uh, the uh, the cloak or whatever they call them, the, yeah, the yeah. clergy wearing the Vatican, uh, with a red sash round the <clears throat> round my waist, and I did have a speaking part. I was very very nervous. I can talk to people now, anybody you know, down this age. And um, Steve Hanley, he was uh, the actual, he was John Paul, the Pope, John Paul II, the Pope being by John Paul, Pope Paul I, yeah. which I remember seeing on TV, of course, the smoke coming out of the um, thing after he died, I think it was after about 30 days. And of course, there's always been a connection between uh, Nazis and the Vatican, and letting the Nazis escape to South America using their funds, their money their mafia connections. It's all very interesting, so I thought market on a good thing there with the play. Although the play itself, I don't think any of us could make head or tail of it the way it was put together. It's, you know, 
commando shouting loud <laughs> with Bricks and Marsh. Um, I was more concerned with the actual performance on the drums. Um, and we did about, well, we, we did the music for it. So I'd do a, a speaking line, maybe, I don't know, 50 words or something. Lee Bowery was my um, saviour because Lee Bowery, who played, I just. Uh, Lee Bowery was. Marcinkus, that's right, yeah. He was lovely because he's obviously done acting before and he helped, he helped me prompt me the lines when we were actually doing the performance. Yeah. got a full show every night. I don't know how long it lasted to you. Was it two weeks? It was two weeks, which is probably 10, 14 performances. One of the things that we've been putting together is there's a lot of great stuff in there, but yeah, it, it might not make a lot of sense originally. So what we've been trying to do is to make sure that when people watch it, and we always give Mark the benefit that he that he had an idea and he and he did mean all of the you know implications of the lyrics and the words. So we've really tried to make it make sense. But did you kind of get the impression, like as you saw it night after night, that it was becoming more clear what was happening, or or is it still by the end you're like uh, this is madness? <laughs> not really, because I was just concerned about doing a performance on the kit yeah. more than anything. As I remember it, I just had a floor some on a snare drum which I didn't really like, because I like to have a bass drum, you know, as well. Um, but we did it. Um, guest informant, I remember we, do it, we did, which I used to love doing. Some of the other ones, uh, the other music, uh, Markle Sinkus, I think we might have. Did we do that one? Yeah, yeah. actually, about... Si, this is a good time to segue, and I'm going to play a couple. There's about six or seven songs in the in the play, and I'm going to play, uh, if we can okay. listen to a few of them and then get your take on, like, uh, your remembrance of recording or, or performing those okay. songs, that'd be great. So I'll play a few, and then I'll I'll play Dr. Faustus and uh, the Hey Luciani. Oh, yeah. And uh, Marco Dr. Sinkers. Faustus was yes. Hey Luciani, um, of course. The theme tune, wasn't yeah. it? The very um, first thing you did, I believe. First... It was, was uh, Ian Brodie um, in Amazon Studios. No, was it Amazon? Yes, it was on the Brookside set in Liverpool. Right. And Mark and I drove over there, and uh, basically it was on a drum machine, and it, um, he got me to play a floor tom. <laughs>
Luciani, we heard uh, Marcus Sinkers, yeah. and we heard uh, Dr. Faustus off Ben Sinister. Some really beautiful piano on that, uh, Marcus Sinkers. I'm guessing he's Simon Rogers. Anytime there's anything, yeah, super yeah, it would have been, yeah. We're thinking that Simon Rogers, yeah, absolutely. Michael Sinkers, my least favorite of those three, but um, Dr. Faustus, I remember well, it was Paul who played on Dr. Faustus off the Ben Sinister track. It's the only one he did, I did the rest, yeah, or it was a drum machine. Um, it's great. It's very dark, very dark. Doctor Faustus, you know when the when the chorus comes in. I was kind of waiting and waiting when it start. The song starts for the chorus to come in. It seemed like an eternity before it went to that. Yeah, I really like the way the guitar. Well, the person guitar like sync up to the drums at the beginning of Doctor Faustus because it's it's like it's not dead straightforward, is it? It's... I disagree with you. The drums, you mean on Doctor <laughs> Faustus? Pretty easy, yeah. really. I think <laughs> so. And we did it. We did it live anyway. But I didn't record it. The drums on that. Um, but I did. I did. Uh, you know, the rest of it. You know, Mr. Pharmacist included. Which which has got a video to it, and it's old footage with Carlin. And I don't know whether you know about that. Who did the video from Mr. Pharmacist? No idea. I but played that on it. Isn't that the one with uh, got Lee Bowery kind of wandering around the streets for yes, the Mr. Pharmacist yeah, uh, video? It's very funny. But yeah. Someone, not Somebody sure. must have knocked it up um, after I quit or whatever, the band, you know, in 97. But yeah, um, great memories of Hey Luciani and Ian Brody. Um, you know, I really like Ian Brody and his work. Uh, it's not a guilty pleasure, the lightning seas. There's yeah, long-standing tunes that are fantastically recorded. Uh, maybe, you know, I'd like to record it with him one, again one day, maybe, who knows? Uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, uh, I remember in the, the megaphone, of course, um, which was omnipresent. Uh, he used to get them from Tandy, as it was known, plastic, gold, and usually break after, you know, sort of six months, he'd get another one. Um, I think by that time, American, but, you know, you didn't, think he got them in America most of the time when we were there. Yeah. Real, by real, Tandy by realistic, which, of course, used to wake us up, you know, on the bus. Um, Turn it on and Yankee Doodle Dandy on the preset. You're dead loud in your ear. And you go, bleed it out. <laughs> so you have to be careful of that. Um, I've just been reading the notes, actually. It was Diane Barton doing the, the live sound for us. Okay. I don't know the feedback, Eddie, uh, God rest his soul, was there doing the monitors, probably was. And there was a, a, a girl called Dawn Bassett, who was the runner, who ended up been my drum tech briefly mm-hmm. uh, when uh, on the tour that Mark locked himself in the toilets and uh, I knew he'd locked himself in the toilets and heard him try to get out. Fucking get me out of here, kicking the door. But I thought, no, I'm going to leave him in there for, you know, 
10, 20 minutes before we have to go on. You know, because he might have been bugging me that day. <laughs> Brilliant. So, um... No, I, I, I did love Mark. I did, you know. But it's when he it's when he got Carl in behind me back. The opinion of him had changed by then. And uh, it kind of started to turn rotten for me when Bricks and him split up. Because she'd, she'd rein him in, you know. It's like extra kit, right? I, m- I remember you telling the story on extra kit where I think he got rid of Martin and Marsha on that tour. Yes. So basically, yes. like within within a few years, like within a year, I think Martin had come and gone, Marsha had gone, and then Bricks had gone, and that must have been a big change. I'm, and now I'm getting off into the rest of the career. I'll go <laughs> well, on forever yeah, start on that it, path. Was, it was a big change, but we're still getting the same money. That we- Question for you, Simon, if you don't mind. Um, yeah, go on. Probably, you know, my second favourite fall track is Christmas with Simon. So ah, I was wondering <laughs> what Christmas with Simon with you would have been like yeah. when you were in the fall. Uh, Christmas, well, I remember recording that down in Oxfordshire, and he was great like that. You know, um, he, he realised I could use one finger on a bass note on a, on a keyboard or piano. And I'm really glad of the opportunity that he gave me. Of course, that's how I wrote Free Range, the music for yeah. it. And later stuff, Ian Brown's Golden Gaze track again. And it, through the keyboard that Mark had bought me. But Christmas is now, we all go to Lulu, my girlfriend's family, uh, up in North Manchester. Which he, And Mark actually met Lulu um, before he passed and gave her the seal of approval. Although he didn't say it, I knew that's what he was thinking. Because she's from Blakely which is actually where he ended up, Mark, you know, in the crematorium. I'm so glad I went to that funeral of Mark. His sister, Caroline, she said, oh, he loved you, he loved you, Mark, which I knew anyway, do you know what I mean? Yeah. That he loved me, I loved him. So back in the day, I don't know, one time I went to Edinburgh for Christmas with my first wife, because I got a taste for Edinburgh after Mark had been up there. Because I drove him up there with his, you know, his worldly belongings, you know, his vinyl records, his leather coat, his pair of shoes, couple of suits, uh, up there um, off Princess Street, you know, lovely Georgian flat and terrace. Yeah, was a, that was a good time, really. Yeah. Uh, that's when he wrote Edinburgh Man, of course. In fact, we did, we, um, we, on the House of Also, we had a film company, um, Esther Middleton, who's a you know, director or whatever, wanted to do a documentary about Mark and his Edinburgh years. So right. she interviewed me, and she uh, when the House of All, she were in Edinburgh, she interviewed Martin, because he was around that time. So was Steve, of course. So we interviewed right. them. And Grant Jobers, who who's doing the sound, actually, on a lot of these gigs that we're right. doing uh, next week. Not all of them, unfortunately. Because Grant um, produced and recorded the live CD album that's going to be on tour, you know, for sale, although it's limited, so... By the time this comes out, they were all gone. Yeah, she filmed the gig. I had a team, you know, of assistants with fancy cameras. And it looks the part, you know, it looks quality stuff. You know, it's just, it's good enough for Sky Arts, whatever. You know, Grant Showbiz, well, he used to do the Smiths, of course, and the Fall before that. He came back and uh, he looks great, Grant. Looks so young. He's cleaned his uh, lifestyle up. Instead of going out, getting smashed now after the sound check, I've got to go to a swimming pool now. I'm going to get the bus to the swimming pool, you know, the local, which it's is amazing, so and it looks yeah, yeah. great. But back there, yeah, it'd be party time, you know, Hacienda probably, Christmas time, for sure. Certainly New Year's Eve. But, I, uh, you know, 
I still have nights out. In fact, I'm having a night out tonight, which might sound a bit wild, but then we'll see how we go. <laughs> <laughs> in your podcast and your book, stuff you mentioned, Alcy Andrew, a lot, and there was talk, uh, and I think I got this from your, your podcast, maybe Jackie was saying that, that after the play finished, I think there was talk of trying to take it other places. One of the things that we heard is that Mark was planning on t- typing up the script and getting other people to put it on and maybe even taking it to the Hacienda, do it in Manchester, do it in other places. Oh. Did, did you did you hear anything about that? Or, or was it just done when it was done, it was gone? No, I never I never heard that before. Although they did love him at the Hacienda. Because um, we all had... Um, you know, honorary pastors and, you know, we used to go quite a lot, me and Mark, to the Hacienda, you know, believe it or not, before it got really packed out. Yeah. When it first started in 82, the play, it just seemed a one-off. And uh, what a great time we had, you know, staying in digs with Jackie. She was staying, um, um, the, lo- the lovely Jackie, with us in the digs in Earl's Court. In like a you know flat basically with about three bedrooms. We used to drive home after the gig on Saturday night, I think, from the riverside back to Manchester. Diane driving the van and Daft Eddie, sorry, feedback Eddie, I should say, the monitor man. Uh, <laughs> it was Mark who called him Daft Eddie, but I get in trouble, you know, when, when I say that nowadays because he's not here, you know. But <laughs> uh, then we come back on a Tuesday maybe. Uh, to the fir- you know first performance of that week. Um, so if we could uh, play a few more tracks. So you also played guest informant, living too late, yes. and a song called Sleep yes. Get Snatches. So I'll play a bit of those. Three. And one called Half right. Found Borman as well. I'll play a little bit of a few of those, and then I'll ask you. I especially want to know about guest informant. Whether it was you what dubbed marking at the uh, uh, for throwing Dog. your duvet out the window. Whether you dubbed him in at the hotel. That's the story. No, no, the guest informant was a magazine, a right. coffee table magazine yeah, in a so high hotel in right. Toronto or somewhere. The story that someone chucked your duvet out the window and the next morning you went to complain at the uh, the uh, at the front desk and you dubbed Mark in and said he'd thrown your duvet out the window <laughs> and you got in trouble. Is that is that there any truth to these me. rumors? I ain't no brass. I ain't no brass. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought that. I thought there's no chance Simon did that. Mitch, he's no, got no distance. way. I was, I, it was giving me a great opportunity. I remember where that was. It was in Hamburg and the shoot, like a, you know, the CNN, CNN Tower. It was like that, that's all. And it was Brits and Marsha. They were in my room. It might have been mine, but they went to collect it straight away, pretty much, and picked it up, you know, 30 floors below. Nice. But, but I ain't no grass. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's have a listen to a few of these, uh, right. these tunes.
best dude, stick cog, analyst. We had um, a half-time Bowman from a Janice Long session that you did, which is a, a definitely a, a, a rounder version than the one that's on um, on the the B side of Ghost in My House. And we had guest uh, guest informant and uh, Living Too Long, which is a, a different version of Living Too Late. Yeah, we are, there. aren't we? Well, um, guest informant was going so well, and then suddenly that voice comes in. Was that actually on the vinyl? I think so. This uh, one of the few because he does it. He does it a couple of times. Uh, very famously on paintwork on um, on this nation's saving grace, but on guest informant where he yeah. just seems to have recorded his dictaphone over the top and gone Stephen Craig oh. something about yeah that's on that's on the original I think. Oh, I never I never knew that. I never knew that. Might that's be a single version. I don't know. I get mixed up with all the versions, right. but okay. Uh, yeah. Um... I like the first one, which was what was that one? That was Half Found Bowman, which the the one about the word bricks is basically shouting like words about Martin right. Bowman. In the original version, it's right. really wiry and wonky, but that Janice Long one's got, and I think because of what you're doing, is holding it together that with that really nice beat. Right. Is that what the, that first one, Hideous Noise Group? Yeah. Is that what we mean by? Probably. Must be. Uh, <laughs> I don't really remember recording that one at all. But living too late, I liked, and guest informant, brilliant. We did, um, we did both those live on the on the circuit. But I don't remember doing half sound bombing at all, you know, live. Don't think it would have worked really. Yeah, it might Maybe have been recording in the play. I'm not sure if some of it was pre-recorded or whether, like, yeah, I know you did I think a bit. It was. Yeah, I think it was. Um, on the back here of the program, it's advertising the singles, living too late, stroke hot after shave box. I love to hop up to shave bot. Mr. Pharmacist, Lucio over Lancashire. Hey, Luciani, stroke entitled. I'm off Ben Sinister. It was just, uh, none of those were in, were they? Um, hot after shave bot we didn't do in the play. I like no, them titles. 
No, no, basically those... So you seven, played them all now? You played them all, haven't you? Uh, yeah, there's another you one called Sleep Dead Snatches that I haven't played yet, right. but I'll play that at the end. But as far as I know... Now, there is... Again, we haven't got everything, but I think there was hints that maybe Riddler and... Uh, Gross uh, Chapel Grenadiers off, um, off uh, Ben Sinister might, right. might, might have been bits of it played or whatever, but I think yeah. the live stuff, I think you might have just played those four uh, in, right, in real okay. time. Dr. Faustus, you, Luciani, yeah. right. Justin Formant and Living Too Late, and the others might have been pre-recorded, I'm oh, not sure. It's hard to say. Yeah, sure. No, it's just, a, yeah, it brings back some memories that. Of Marsha in a commando's outfit, you know, with, with a miniskirt, <laughs> a bit, bit classic. <laughs> uh, you know, Brit's shouting a lot. Um, what else? Yeah, Lee Bowery. The other actors, I didn't really um, get, get. We used to sort of go our separate ways at the end of the performance when the crowd had filtered out. We'd yeah. have a drink, you know, various other things, and uh, off we'd go, you know, in our own direction. Although we used to get the tram, in, you know, right into um, West End of London with Lee Bowery and Michael Clark and, you know, some right people like, looking at them like they had two heads, you know. Well, they did. <laughs> <laughs> Lee Bowery had a bit crash on it with spikes on it. Yeah. Um, I remember that a lot. I remember the first day that the press guy being there, you know, a journalist from the Times, and Mark strutting around in his white Levi 501s, riding boots, leather. A, a white shirt, impeccably dressed, and a riding crop. He absolutely relished it, you know, being there, being the director, writer of the play. It was nice to see that. He didn't hit anybody, as far as I know, with the riding crop. But, yeah, I've just got nothing but good memories, really. It was so new to me. Yeah, and, it sounds um, brilliant. You know, there's all these plans, you know, um, about the ballet then, of course, after that. We were constantly busy at that point. I'm just trying to work it out, Si. You must have been absolutely mad full on from when you first started because you did Ben Sinister, all them singles, the play, then straight into yeah. uh, into Friends Experiment and Curious Orange all in like three years. Yeah, yeah. Got great. Uh, I'm just not my favourite album, Friends Experiment. I do, I do love running that. It was always a great workout to do. It could go That's on for right, minutes. It's, it's just bloody Re relentless, that one. I know. But I like it, it's so urgent, you know. Great. And of course, he wrote that, he wrote that I think, when we were in Hamburg, because he told me about the blood coming down the walls of his right. hotel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in Hamburg. Yeah, Simon. Sorry, um... Bremen, Bremen. Not Hamburg, Bremen. Yeah. Yeah. And we had a game of football, I remember that, uh, in, in Bremen. And he told me about, you know, he'd seen the blood coming down the walls last time he was there, and it sort of, he was scared. I think this old hotel, there might have been the Nazi elite might have stayed there. They got some vibes off it, something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Bremen night. Did you ever get the feeling uh, that he was a precog? Did you ever buy into that idea that, that Smithy could see the future? Um, he, he could just cut the atmosphere with a knife as soon as he walked in anywhere. Um, people were like, fucking hell, who's that? You know, so if you consider that a, a power, a psychic yeah. power, then yes, I do. Although he never went on about it. I know he didn't like anybody using a Ouija board. But it was discussed once and he, he wasn't happy. And one time when we were on tour um, in, in Montreal, Toronto again, um, Dave Bush, our keyboard at the time, had s foolishly left this uh, pentagon. <laughs> yeah, we met this guy with a big leather coat who was like a cult leader. 
at the gig in uh, Detroit, I think. And he gave it as a gift, like this lead ingot with a ribbon round it, with a pentangle on it. And Mark didn't like that at all. And he said, you better not leave them about. Throw them away, throw them away. He's going to curse the band. He's going to curse the band. And uh, Dave left it on the table on the coach outside. He was asleep in his bunk. Mark came on. What the fucking hell is this? And he got his hot. He had a cup of hot tea. Opened the curtain, threw it over there. <laughs> he shouldn't laugh, really. But... Um, <laughs> So he didn't like to, you know, he was aware of, he might have known people who were psychics and what right. have you. Um, and, but he didn't, you know, Ouija board was out of the question, you know, a night out in the hotel when we've got a night off. Should we get a Ouija board and have a go, you know? And he didn't, he said, no, you don't, don't do it. You know, I don't want you to do it sort of thing. But uh, what's it called, that song? Psychic, what? <laughs> that he wrote. Psychic uh, dance hall? Dance hall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there anybody uh, I, I there? Think you might. <laughs> <laughs> is anybody there? Yeah. What is that one of the lyrics on it? That's how it opens. That's how it starts. Is there anybody there? Does that? Yeah. Does that? Oh, <laughs> Let's have a listen. Yeah. Go on, keep talking. I'll bring you up. We'll have it. We'll have a quick listen. Um, in your book, you mentioned the song "Chi Chi Chi." Did you ever play that or record it? Done for uh, you, Richard. Chi Chi Yeah. Oh, Chee Chee Chee, yeah. But we never record on a little tape recorder we did round at his house again. And he, he, he was kind of dead serious. It was never going to happen and get presented as a, you know, English um, entry. But uh, it was, yeah, Chee Chee Chee, you know, very simple. Um, who knows, you know, uh, years later he might have been able to do one. Still time. I'll, have a, I'll play okay. in a second. Ezra, did you have a question for Sai before I play this? Just going back a bit to the Friends Experiment album. This is, yeah. for me, like, it, it, it's a really interesting period for the fall because it seems like the band were doing some of their best work and then they released this album, Friends Experiment, which, you know, it does have a few tracks I'm quite fond of, but I'm like, what? Look, where yeah. is Guest Informant? Where is Hey Luciani? Where is Sleep oh, Dead? Yeah. There are so many great tracks. Like that could have been the best album of the band's career. And it, it, it you know, it just kind of befuddles me. Like you have right. all this great material, and somehow I, I presume Mark decided we're not going to put it on the album, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's, it's well, I, I think you're right. Um, obviously, I don't think the record company would have been overjoyed at the final results. There wasn't that much commercial, um, you know. Uh, stuff on it, I don't think. Was 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 uh, Victoria on that? Yeah, Victoria yeah, was on the was. original track listing. But there's a lot of great tracks uh, around that, like 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 Ezra's alluding to that weren't on there. While you got things like Ghetto Hotel and uh, Steak Place on there, which are <laughs> yeah, I never, maybe I never, I never really liked Steak Place, really. Yeah. Um, or Ghetto Hotel, if I'm honest. No, was it for me, no. they didn't get a lot of love on our podcast. And I, I'm guessing, no, so no. it wasn't. It wasn't really a democracy. So you probably didn't. You probably weren't asked for your opinion on the track listing of Friends Experiment. It could have been a lot more successful than it was, I suppose. It's, it's one of my least favorite albums, really. Personally, uh, the best one I played on was Ben Sinister. If it's not for Realm of Dust alone, you know, it's one of the first track. things we did. Great, great, great track. track. So, I just love it. Sorry, I'll play. I will play Psychic Dance Hall, and I'll play that Sleep Debt to finish. Yeah. We'd re- love to invite you back in six months or a year and do your top ten fall tracks, or just talk through your yeah. full, the full kind of eleven years because there's so much good stuff in there. We'd love it if you were right. up for that. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, possible. Brilliant. 
Just let us know, fellas. Yeah, just know. Is there anybody there? Yeah! beat coming in wow. there simon hello i've not heard sleep that sleep snatcher since the day it came out i don't think <laughs> like it dance all. i really liked it when it got going about who played drums on that one do you know psychic dance all, what that would have been but mike lee played drums on dragnet he was only in the band for about a year came on he was a cabaret drummer right just did just a year yeah i believe so yeah i did meet mike lee at a festival a few years ago uh in yorkshire um, he was doing a talk or whatever, you know. Psychic dancehall. Um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've probably not heard that ever in its entirety. Even well, it's, off, it's off Dragnet. I enjoy so that. that. It's yeah, it's the strike. first track on Dragnet. Excuse my ignorance. <laughs> <laughs> Long time before but, your, uh, your time. Still, uh, Realm of Dust still sounds majestic. As I say, when I got in the band in Abbey Road and recording that, I thought, wow, I've, I've been really lucky here, landed on my feet here, you know, with this band. 
But so, yeah, I enjoyed the memories there, you know, those songs are given me. Yeah. And well, going back maybe to guest informant as well, you, Craig, and Steve just, just locking together, you know, and obviously you're playing again with Steve. But, you know, again, yeah. I'm, I'm indulging myself too far into the outside of our Luciani remit, but whatever. Yeah, while you're here, I'm going to ask you, what's that relationship with Steve, that, that between you and Steve um, as, as that rhythm section? How does that, did that just work from day one? Or is that build over time? Um, do, how do you communicate? Are you just because it works together? Well, so I, w- well. I wish he would um, communicate me with me more when we're doing gigs because he keeps looking at his brother, gives me <laughs> that cursory look now and again. But I'm doing my own thing. You know, they're probably communicating which part of the song comes next. Is it the right time? And I'm just doing my own thing. You know what I mean? Right. But that'd be nice. But whenever it, whenever he does look round at me, Steve. I always have a smile, you know, just like the old days. And they have missed this very distinctive bass sound that Steve has got, you know, um, that a lot of Fall fans love the band. You know, a lot of them like the band because of his sound, I think. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's the Fall sound so right there. still the same. You, you know, you know when he's on it, Steve, you know, when he's enjoying it and getting his head down. And we've got that again now after all these years. We never worked together um, over the last intervening, whatever it is. I left in 97, 25, 28 years, whatever it is. Yeah. Although I've, I've seen him now and again uh, with Steve, and it's always great to see him. And, uh, yeah, uh, you know, I love Steve to death. It's, well, yeah, it's good. Thanks very much, Simon, for coming on. It's been delightful. And, yeah, we hope we can see you when we put the play on in a few weeks. Good luck with The House of All Stuff, that second LP. Um, and, yeah, we'd Thank love you. to have you back in, in six months or so and go through the whole the whole uh, period of your, your time with this fantastic band. And talk about the other stuff. I mean, we've not even touched on the fact you were in the Smiths and, and you... <laughs> and no, the Storm Roses are an early version at some point. Literally, my three <laughs> yeah. favorite bands in my entire life the Smiths of Storm Roses and the Fall. And you were in all three of them at one point. It's right. unbelievable. Wow. But, um, yeah. I saw something on the internet which, and, and you know, this struck me as not that believable, but it was claiming yeah. that the Smiths called themselves the Smiths because they were right. kind of fans of Mark E. Smith. I don't know whether that's true at all. Yeah, I uh, can't quite believe it myself. <laughs> um, the Smiths was an ordinary name because it was classic Nouveau and Depeche Mode and all these, you know, um, weird and what Duran Duran. They wanted to be as far, far as way as possible from that kind of style of name right. for the band and indeed the style of music, which they were. And uh, when they took off, I thought, Jesus, I made a right mistake here. <laughs> but I just wasn't in Samorosy, really. As a you know, as a person or his voice, and crucially, Andy wrote the bass player, God rest his soul, wasn't on the session that first yeah, time. Yeah, and yeah. and so if he'd been there, he would have thrown a bit of funk in, and uh, I might have thought, oh yeah, I'll come back for a bit more of this. Everything would have been different. Yeah, exactly. He was a very funky bass player. And we listened to bits of the freak party stuff that you and him did in the yes. early days. Uh, when he yes. sadly passed away a few months ago. Um, hope, like next time you're back, we'd love to get into all that stuff and indulge ourselves because yes. we could go on forever asking you questions <laughs> about this stuff, Simon. Well, <laughs> all the best, Simon. Thank you very much. All Look right. after yourself. Have a good weekend, fellas. Take See you. Take care. Bye. 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 Bye.